Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. I'm JJ Jerez, Arif Dean here with me to cover all things Avalanche hockey. Arif, playoff intensity starting to kick in. Today I was spending some time watching the Pittsburgh Penguins versus New York Rangers game, which the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins won in overtime, and you could really feel that playoff-style hockey. Of course, there's a little bit of bad blood leaking into this season from past seasons between those two teams, and they also play each other a couple times this week, which is going to be fun to watch the uh, the next matches. But you can feel it starting to trickle in, that playoff intensity. And uh, even yesterday with the Avalanche game, you see against the Arizona Coyotes, Arizona it wasn't exactly a lay down performance for them. Right. I mean, and if I was a player playing for Arizona, it would be very easy for me to try to kind of play against management and against the front office, right? Like, Oh, you want us to tank? You want to try to get Connor Bedard? Well, watch this, watch how hard we're going to play within this locker room now. So I kind of get that from the Arizona coyotes, but, um, even even from a team at the bottom of the league like that, it, it wasn't a lay down performance. It was a tough win for the avalanche and they really kind of had to earn it. Yeah, they absolutely did. I mean, it was a very playoffy type of game where you had to kind of scrap for every goal. I mean, there was even the goal that was waved off that Dennis Malgan had from the hand pass from Matt Nieto. It was kind of, you had to work hard to score, which doesn't usually happen against teams like Arizona. Granted for the Avalanche, they just, they struggle with Arizona for whatever reason. Uh, But the LA game was the same thing. The Los Angeles game on Thursday was very much a playoff type of game. Uh, San Jose, not so much. And then last Sunday, obviously, was very playoffy as well against the Seattle Kraken. So you're starting to see that intensity ramped up. And like you said, it's happening around the league. I mean, we, we saw the Philadelphia Flyers and the Tampa Bay Lightning get into a whole heap of, of a mess <laughs> when uh, Tony D'Angelo got body slammed by five guys for going after Corey Perry's uh, family jewels, we'll say. Um, so we're seeing it around the NHL. And it's it's what makes hockey so great this time of year is when it starts to ramp up when you start to get into that playoff field especially when you play other playoff teams teams you're battling with teams you're in a race with i remember the the avalanche calgary game now it's been over over two weeks now 15 days ago yeah you know the nazim Kadri story was a big story but at the same time Colorado and Calgary were pretty close in the standings at that point. And Calgary's fighting for their playoff lives and Colorado's fighting for their playoff lives. And they're both in the wild card race. And that game just had so much playoff intensity. And you're going to start to see that continue here for this last stretch of hockey games. I mean, we're just over a month away from the last day of the regular season. Yeah, it was good to see the Avalanche take care of business against San Jose. And San Jose didn't even, you know, sniff a chance in that matchup, which is good to see from a team gearing up for playoff style hockey. But then you look at that L.A. game and, you know, maybe a little bit of worry starts to come up because L.A. is a good team. L.A. is surging, trying to fight for that uh, number one spot in the Pacific. And you're like, all right, here's an actual test for playoff style hockey. Let's see how the Avalanche do. And they drop the ball 5-2. But of course, we heard from Jared Bednar, the conversation about mindset, right? And kind of getting your, uh, getting your team mentally prepared for these regular season games after winning the cup. And he had some interesting comments about that. Yeah, he did. He said that the avalanche are kind of struggling with, uh, he was asked about waking up for regular season games after a cup run. And if that's difficult and he straight up said, no question. Um, and it's been a mental grind. And it has been. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, I know that, you know, you're going to be back at these games here shortly, but Nathan McKinnon after the game against LA was <laughs> uh, very Nathan McKinnon like in the locker room. And we asked him how things were going and, you know, this little slump. He made comments such as, 
it's a long season. Games like this are going to happen. Stretches like this will happen. We're not going to win them all. Blah, blah, blah. Just a weird game. Um, he even made comments about uh, just, you know, not always having your best foot forward and just like pretty much all of these comments that are basically like we're we're bored of this. We're so bored of this. And if you remember last year, the Avalanche going to the playoffs, we're in a little bit of a slump. They lost a lot of games in the last bit of the regular season, uh, obviously meant that they lost the president's trophy to the Florida Panthers, which in the end obviously didn't matter. They still had home ice advantage the rest of the way. And then game one of the playoffs against the Nashville Predators, what did they put up four goals in the first 10 minutes? They woke up and said, hey, we're we're here. We're at this uh, playoff thing that we've been talking about for the last six months. We're here. It's time to show up and play our game. So it kind of seems like that's the route they want to take now. But it has been a little bit of a grind for them to get up, especially I know about a month ago I mentioned or coming out of the All-Star break, I did mention the Avalanche had one of the top three easiest schedules the rest of the way. But at the same time, that might be a little bit of a like not not an issue going into the playoffs, but that could be more difficult because it's harder to wake up for games where like you got two games in a row coming up against San Jose. What are the chances you're going to win both of those? You rarely win two games in a row against one team when you play them back to back like that. We just saw the Boston Bruins beat Detroit yesterday and lose to them today. The Bruins have 10 regulation losses the entire season. And now one of them is against the Detroit Red Wings because they're just bored of it. And it happens. It's funny because we heard similar comments from Nathan McKinnon when they were uh, doing the, you know, when they were only playing within the division, right? And you, he brought up the comments, well, we're playing Arizona 800 times. He always has these comments about the regular season, right? Which is funny to me because, you know, that that's just a typical Joe Sackick mindset. The wake me up when the playoffs start. It looks like Nathan McKinnon's kind of inherited that. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if you really have time this season to be bored of the playoffs. This is kind of the, the stretch where you need to be sharpening everything up. But I get it. It's funny, too, because we're, the last couple seasons we're like, oh, we can't re- wait till everything returns back to normal. Well, things are back to normal. It took us to game 64 for Nathan McKinnon to get bored of it. Um, so, um, <laughs> you know, I... I, I don't really want to read too much into those comments. I, I think, yeah, the, the regular season's a mental grind for everyone, but now's the point where that gets lifted. Now's the point where we brought, you know, brought us into the show. This is where hockey starts getting good again. Teams fighting for position and uh, fighting to kind of make a statement out there. Yeah. I mean, last year, if you remember, so we are at the one year to the exact day, the one year mark of Gabe Landeskog shutting it down for the rest of the regular season. Two days prior to this, March 10, the Avalanche were shut out two to nothing by the Carolina Hurricanes. And the whole Nazem Kadri drama happened where he wasn't getting called calls. And Gabe came out on a Zoom call and in front of media that was there live in Carolina and used Wes and the other Wes McCauley and the other uh, referees' names in his post game, basically saying how it was bullshit, how Kadri can't get his calls because he has a history. Two days later, he shut it down. The very next day, the Avalanche coincidentally shut out the LA Kings. Two days after that, they shut out, or sorry, the Calgary Flames. Two days after that, they shut out the LA Kings. They went on a 10-game winning streak. A 10-game winning streak that ended with a week where they won 9-3 to against the Kings, 3-1 to against the Devils, 7-4 to against the Hurricanes, and then they kind of started to lose along the way. They lost six of the last seven games. So they had sharpened everything they needed to sharpen before those last seven games. Granted, last season was a little bit different. You had your playoff spot locked up. You knew where you were going to be. This year is a little bit different in that sense. Uh, Do I agree with you that, yes, they have to start to sharpen things? Absolutely. But I also kind of see a team right now where 
they've had a lot of turnover. We know they did. In the offseason, there was a lot of turnover. Then they had all the injuries. They had all the call-ups. You know, Cal Burke was playing games, Jean-Luc Foody, Luke Sedlak, Anton Bleed, you know, you name them. Like, up and down the lineup. Dryden Hunt was picked up off waivers and then shipped off for Dennis Malgin, who's now starting to score goals. Like, they've had a lot of turnover, but they have seemingly a pretty permanent lineup right now. They know who they're playing with. McKinnon and Ranton and finally were reunited yesterday. Rodriguez has played a lot with JT Comfer. Uh, you're seeing Dennis Malgin playing with uh, Nieto and Newhook. You're seeing Lars Eller take that position between O'Connor and Cogliano that so many centers have played. There's starting to be some regularity among the lineup where I'm not too concerned about them sharpening anything because the only guys missing are guys like Hellman Landeskog that have been here before that know the guys there's no more reintegrating somebody into the lineup there's no trade deadline acquisition outside of Lars Eller that you're sitting there trying to figure out how to fit them in because the other trade deadline acquisition you wouldn't even think he was gone for six months when you look back at it now when Jack Johnson he just feels like he's been here the whole time so should they start to win these games a little bit more? Yeah, sure. They went 2-1-1 and one on that homestand, which was a little bit upsetting because they should have beat Seattle. They should have been 3-1. and one. But I'm not too concerned about needing them to sharpen things up before the playoffs because we saw this happen last year. I'm more concerned about them being healthy for the playoffs. It's just funny seeing the two different, different attitudes, I guess, when you look at Nathan McKinnon and his, yeah, whatever, we're not going to win them all. And then you go to a guy like Andrew Cogliano, and he gets really upset after losses, right? He he sits there and almost is like rethinking his entire life, it seems like, when he, after a loss. So, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's polar opposites, and there's guys in between as well. And, um, you know, I, I assume once playoffs come in, the right mindset's going to step in. But, you know, you can't really sleep on these Arizonas, the Anaheims. You know, Anaheims, is, is, they fight every single night. And I, I watch a lot of Anaheim games because I often bet against the Anaheim Ducks. And they make me look silly because, you know, John Gibson's always out there, you know, fighting tooth and nail to make saves. And, you know, like you mentioned, you got San Jose twice. Of course, you just rocked their world, but that was on the second night of a back-to-back coming from Winnipeg. You can't expect that same energy, that same, um, you know, effort from the San Jose Sharks. So those are the games you really got to stomp on and keep your foot on the team's throats like they did last week against the Sharks. But, um, you know, there's still a handful of opportunities to keep climbing the standings and keep trying to fight for that home ice advantage. Yeah, I mean, this year, coincidentally, they have a better record on the road than they do at home. They've won 18 games in each place. Uh, well, not plays, but 18 games on the road, 18 games at home, which is really 17 and 17 when you take out the Finland trip. Wasn't that how you, it was in the playoffs too last year? Last year, they ended up losing, I think, just the one game on the road, game four, game three in Tampa. Right. That was the only game they lost on the road. The other yeah. three losses they had were the overtime game against St. Louis, game uh Sorry, game three against St. Louis, game five against St. Louis, or game two, game five, and then Tampa Bay in game five as well. So they lost three times at home on the road, so or at home. But I don't think they care much about home ice advantage. Like, I really genuinely don't. A month and a half ago, Jared Bednar said, we don't really care where it is. We just want to get in. Then they went 14-2-2, and and in that stretch, they're like, hey, home ice advantage in the number one seed is kind of up for grabs. Let's go for it. Funny thing is... Home ice advantage in the number one seed is still very much up for grabs, even with that loss to Dallas. They are currently right now two games in hand on both Minnesota and Dallas, and they are five back of Minnesota, and they are seven back of Dallas. And it seems like a lot, and it probably is, and you're probably not going to catch them. 
But if you win your two games in hand, you're one back of Minnesota. And as long as you win those games in regulation, the tiebreaker is for you. Now, Dallas, if you win your two games in hand, you will be three points back of Dallas, which, by the way, their two games coming up are uh, Montreal and Toronto, which Toronto's a tough game. But then you got Ottawa and Detroit, which you, you got to win three of these four, I would assume, on the road. But if you win your two games in hand on the Dallas Stars, you're three points back of the Dallas Stars, but you play them one more time on April 1st. You win that game on April 1st, you made up the difference, and then it's just a matter of being better than them the rest of the way. So it's still very much up for grabs, but if they don't get it, they might end up in a 2-3 matchup against the Minnesota Wild. If the Minnesota Wild catch the Dallas Stars, you're in a 2-3 matchup against the Stars. If you make it to first place, you got a whole heap of teams you can play in the wild card, be it Edmonton, be it Winnipeg, be it maybe even Seattle or LA if they drop down. Even the Vegas Golden Knights can drop down at this point. A lot of opportunities for your uh, for the team you play in the first round to be a whole heap of teams. Granted, Minnesota and Dallas are probably the two at the top of the list that you're likely to see. Now, basically it doesn't really matter what happens the rest of the way. I think, you know, in terms of standings, I should say, but I think the most important thing is not just that they feel good about themselves because, you know, losing a few games here and there and talking about not being mentally prepared for the playoffs is one thing or not being mentally prepared because you want to play in the playoffs and, you know, get through this mental grind of the boring regular season is one thing. But you don't want to catch yourself losing four, five, six in a row heading into the into the playoffs because the season is different from last year. So if you go on a two, one and one stretch, a two, two and one stretch, kind of like they have been the last four or five games, that's fine. You just don't want it to completely get away from you. You don't get it to let it get away from you. You don't want to be in a position where you're fighting for a playoff spot late here in, in the middle of April. You don't want that last game against Nashville to really matter in terms of your playoff lives. You just want to make sure that you're ready to go. And regardless of who the opponent is, regardless of home ice advantage or not, you're going to feel good about yourself because you're the avalanche. You just won a cup where you went 16 and four. And a lot of those guys are still on your team. Is it me or does it feel like the avalanche always have games in hand? This year has been a little bit. So in past years, yes, this year, we have to remember that game against Nashville that was canceled. Uh, when they flew to Nashville and the arena was flooding or whatever the hell was going on. Uh, that's been the big issue this year. Like right now, the Edmonton Oilers have played 67 games. The National Predators have played 63. That wasn't a scheduling issue. The Predators had to cancel two games that have been rescheduled for late in April. So they should be at 65. Colorado should be at 65. I remember last year as they were kind of, I think I want to say even this same moment, yeah. Some time, right? And you and I had a discussion about just getting in the playoffs. They maybe had a short little skid and we're just like, you know what? It doesn't matter. They just need to get in. This team is so good. Once they're in, they're going to start steamrolling teams. And what ended up happening, the Avalanche were in a fight that. for the president's trophy all the way down to the to the final game, right? But um, I guess there's a there's going to be a, a moment where they have to flip the switch from, all right, the mental grind of the regular season to suddenly a mental grind of the playoffs. So if they're kind of stumbling, maybe having a little bit of struggle with the mental grind of the regular season, how easy do you expect it to be for them to flip that switch into playoff mode? Oh, I think it'll be very easy. Like that, that again, that has, I have no issues with that. Basically, my entire rant was to say, as long as you're a middle of the pack playoff team, a three, four, five, six seed, you're not at the bottom fighting for a wild card seed where the games genuinely do matter. You don't want to be in that position. As long as you're in that middle of the pack, three, four, five, six, you know, of the top eight teams, you're going to be completely fine. Because Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, Miko Rantanen, 
Um, maybe Gabe Landeskog, who the hell knows? All of these guys are going to turn it on as soon as you get to the playoffs because they're going to remember what it feels like. They're going to remember what it means to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And these guys are all still in their early, mid, and late 20s. These are not older veterans that have lost it in a year. They're ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be fun. Um, once you know you feel that playoff energy, you you can feel it the second you step in the building that it's a playoff game, right? And you know the the players do too. The players spend maybe an entire week of getting ready. I just can't wait for when the Avalanche don't sweep their first round opponent and everybody says it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that sweep in twenty twenty one went so well for them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen the the, the playoffs are going to be different this year. This is what I wrote about couple of weeks ago this is what we talked about last week on the podcast the avalanche are gonna have their backs up against the wall a little bit more this playoffs they're gonna they're have not, to earn it they're gonna, they're gonna have, to, have to earn it like you know what would be really shocking a two to two series they didn't have any of those last year it was three to one or two nothing every freaking series nobody got close the only glimpses of stress there was for avalanche fans was when they were leading a series three to one and lost game five and it happened twice that's it Oh, and when their goalie almost got his eye pulled out of his socket. Like, other than that, you know, that small little thing. Like, nothing really bothered this team last year. But you're going to have two to two series this year. You're going to lose the opening games of series this year. Shit that didn't happen last year. Hell, you might even go down two to nothing in a series like the Tampa Bay Lightning did against the New York Rangers. And you're going to have to say, that's okay. We have the winning pedigree. We can win four straight games and defeat these guys. Give us more adversity. We want more stress, says Arif Dean at Mile High School. <laughs> I'm not saying we want it. I'm saying it's going to happen. It's This year, the playoffs are a little bit different. And if it doesn't happen, we're just going to crumple up this entire regular season and say this makes does not matter. Like the regular season, if the Avalanche go into the playoffs again this year, after all we've seen from the Western Conference and all that's gone on, if they go into the playoffs again and do what they did a year ago, where they just steamroll teams, crumple up the regular season and never care about it ever again. That's where McKinnon gets his paycheck so that in the playoffs he can play for free and kick people's ass. That's what it seems like. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, if it does, it would be kind of surprising, but at the same time, hilarious. But I don't think it's going to happen that way this time. I do love the fact, and I think I mentioned this when we talked last, that the Avalanche now have a Stanley Cup. Where now, if they end up in a Game 7, in the second round even, the two demons of this team in the past, it's not going to feel the same. Even though they didn't have a game seven last year, they're going to feel a little bit more confident. Like if the Blues forced a game seven last year, that is a stressful game. That's a doubt game. That's a holy shit. Can we even beat this team, let alone make it to the Stanley Cup final type of game? But now that you've won the Stanley Cup, their first round series can go seven games and they won't be as worried as they were in the past. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, you know, I'm hoping for predictability so that way I can take it to the sports book and take it to Vegas, right? Just like you can do on Superbook Sports. Make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every week to go head-to-head -head with the best odd makers in Las Vegas. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in the business behind the counter at the Superbook in Las Vegas. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas right now. 
Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Eric, we might have to pull some strings with our contacts over at Superbook Sports and try to meet some of these odds makers at Vegas because <laughs> I've always been so curious about how they are so good at their stinking jobs, right? I yeah. mean, especially when it comes to over-unders and they're within – a point if it's basketball i'm i'm saying or yeah. you know football they're always so close on those spreads you see all the time the broncos are favored to lose by 5 and they end up losing by 6 um so yeah I, i'd love to to have a conversation with an odds maker one day. i remember maybe, maybe we could have a whole podcast episode with somebody right like hey you know what they might play vegas we might get a chance to actually go meet them Ooh, <laughs> that's a go. that's love a that very idea. realistic possibility for the western conference final or in something like that but um I remember the game, and uh, everybody knows this game now. It was the Memphis Grizzlies and the Denver Nuggets because it was the game that John Morant risked it all at Shotgun Willies the, the, the same night. Uh, I remember holding his gun like a like somebody who's never held a gun before. Yeah, literally <laughs> holding it from like the tip of the side yeah. it was weird. Um, but at Shotgun Willies of all places, um, I remember the line for John Morant's points that game. We're 27 and a half, the over-under. He ended with 27 even. Wow. Like, just wild how good they are at this shit. Like, how – I don't know how they do it. It's just – it's so impressive. And you see things like that all the time. Like, Connor McDavid's points totals for the season. Like, where is that at and how close is it going to be? Like, did they know going into the season? I haven't looked at his lines. But it wouldn't shock me if someone in the offseason said, hey, let's set Connor McDavid's over-under at 152. And that's pretty much right what he's on pace for. Never done before in the NHL for over 25 years. Anybody hits 150 points, but they're so good at it. They can get it. Or my biggest nemesis era, if you know this from this season, shots, shots on <laughs> goal. How are they so good? Like, you know, because th those are moving one, one night it's three and a half for Evan Rodriguez. The next night it's two and a half. And I'm like, two and a half. Evan Rodriguez has this. Let me hammer that. Yeah. 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 Two and a half. Evan Rodriguez has this. You want to know how many shots he had against the Arizona Coyotes? How many? Two. <laughs> just go. wild there you go and i you know i always think about when we came into the season you're like oh evan rodriguez actually led the nhl in shots on goal so every night i'm like yeah. oh he's shooting he's shooting tonight he's one of the top yep so and he is like right now i remember going into that calgary games i had i had some buddies in town that went to the flames game and were in the crowd and they asked me like what should we take and i said mckinnon shots over evan rodriguez shots over nazim kadri shots over the only one that hit was evan rodriguez <laughs> Right now, some good bets to take are Nathan McKinnon scoring and Kale McCarr getting at least a point. Those two yeah. are sure things, but they're also at like minus 180 odds lately. So Nathan McKinnon, 15 goals in 16 games since the All-Star break. Talking about flipping a switch, right? Talking about switching a freaking flip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's crushing it. All right, let's get to more conversations. You brought it up a little bit ago, but that's the Landis Skog injury. There were some updates last week. I guess my my real question and the question I've honestly been posing since I think late November, early December, do we even see him this regular season? And how confident are you that he does, in fact, step in for playoffs? I can't even give you a prediction anymore. I'm I'm so beyond like... 
Remember Nazem Kadri last year, how it was like, yeah, he's done, he's done, he's done. And then he came on the trip and we're like, yeah, he's done. And game three, the avalanche got kind of blown out and we're like, he's done. And then he just showed up for morning skate. Game yeah. four. And like, even oh, even that morning skate, we're like, ah, oh, he can't even shoot the puck. He, like, he can't even shoot the puck. <laughs> Peter Boss said, I bet you if this guy plays, he's going to play like seven, eight minutes and uh, not be effective. You know, maybe put him on the power play or something. And he ended up playing, you know, 18, 19 minutes and scoring the game winning goal. But like, um, just, that randomness of Nazem Kadri being like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to show up today and I'm going to be on the ice. And I remember even national media, like, yeah, we saw Nazem Kadri kind of come after the Darren Dreger tweet on Instagram and be like, yeah, we'll see when TSN posted that he was probably done. But he just showed up just randomly out of the blue. Oh, hey, here's morning skate. And Nazem Kadri is there with a regular sweater, taking line rushes on the top power play unit. A different like, glove on. Different glove, a very, very hefty looking glove. But like, the randomness of Kadri being there when we showed up at Emily Arena, like I could see that happening. It could be game one of the first round. It could be game seven of the first round. It could be game one of the second round. It could be, I don't know, a game in mid-April, a game in late April, a game in early May. I don't know how long the Avalanche are going to play for. They might get swept in the first round and Landy doesn't get a chance to even come back. But I can't even give a prediction anymore. Like that's the thing. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't play a single game until maybe opening night next year. But it also wouldn't surprise me if you wake up one day and you're at morning skate and, you know, for fans and for listeners, you're on Twitter and you're scrolling and you see Gabe Landeskog taking part in morning skate on a line with, I don't know, McKinnon and Nichushkin or whatever. It like, almost sounds like you're you're saying that if it happens, it's almost going to be a, a miracle comeback, unexpected. Like you, you don't even seem confident that he's going to be 100%. I'm definitely playing today type of uh mindset it's almost like i'm gonna have to play through this let me surprise everybody and show up to morning skate well i mean most of the time they're playing through something anyway so i don't sure. think that's that's really a difference i think the the biggest thing is that i don't know if i want to call it a miracle i would say more it's it's going to be kept under wraps not because we need to hide this from the media and the fans that Gabe is getting close, but we need to make sure that Gabe feels ready to go. Because what we've seen so many times this year with injuries and what I bet the Avalanche are going to do with Landeskog is like right now, just give you an example, a completely different example. Darren Helm has not shed the non-contact sweater, but Darren Helm looks like a healthy NHL player right now. There is nothing about the way that dude is playing the way that dude is skating well, not playing like games, but playing in practice, nothing about him shows anything is holding him back. Gabe Landeskog, of course it is. You're seeing him kind of skate like you very know, gingerly slow, slow yep. motion mm -hmm. and kind of like going through these robotic motions of testing his knee. Like he's in the very early phases. Darren Helm, there is nothing about him that looks off. Absolutely nothing. But he's still wearing a red non-contact. So on, he's going on the trip. Just as an example, you know, let's say this scenario plays out. Monday, Montreal takes part of morning skate, red non-contact. None of us are even thinking about Darren Helm. We don't, we're not even considering him as an option. Tuesday, uh, sorry, Monday in Montreal, morning skate. Tuesday, probably no practice. Wednesday, he does the morning skate in Toronto. Then they go to Ottawa. They play a back-to-back, -back, so no morning skate. He doesn't play in the game. Then you show up in Detroit Saturday or Friday, for the practice before you play the Red Wings in an early game on Saturday and he's in a non-contact or maybe he sheds the non-contact and then suddenly he's playing the Detroit game. 
which would be a funny coincidence because obviously he'd want to play the Detroit game of all games, uh, which is, in my opinion, why he's on the road trip. But like my last ri- Detroit game ever. right? Exactly. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe he's on the road trip because of that, because he wants to be there. I actually know that that's why he's on the road trip. But it's it's one of those things where it's like. Darren Helm is not an option. Darren Helm is not an option. Darren Helm is not an option. Close your eyes, go to sleep, wake up. Oh, hey, Darren Helm's in morning skate and he's going to play. It doesn't mean it's a miracle. It just means they're like, they're not going to tip the hat of like, he's getting closer at all. Even right now, as much as we're watching him skate and being like, Helm looks very normal. Nobody from the team has said anything more than the same thing they say about Landis Goggle. Yeah, we hope he can return at some point this season. Nobody's saying he's progressing well. Nobody is saying he's getting closer. Nobody's giving a date or a target. And it's not that they don't do this with anybody because Jared Bednar openly said, I expect Josh Manson to play in March, not even April, but in March. But with Darren Helm, nothing. So I think with Gabe Landeskog, it'll be something similar to that. I guess I was just saying it's it's going to be less of like, all right, I'm ready to go 100%. I'm feeling good. And it's going to be more like, you know what? Screw it. This is good enough. I'm going to play. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could probably be a thing. With Darren Helm, I think now it's it, it has to be the I'm ready to go on 100% because the last time he said screw it, he came in, he played five games, and he hasn't played since. Funny thing is the five games that Darren Helm played beforehand, the last game was that loss to Chicago and the sky was falling right before the avalanche went 14-2-2. That was his last game. Then he sat out the avalanche the very next day, defeated the Ottawa Senators 7 nothing, and have taken off since. But Darren Helm is a different story. With Gabe Landeskog at his age, knowing that he's had the whole season off, knowing that he's going to have another offseason to kind of figure out what's going on, I think it will be kind of a screw it, I'm close enough. Right now he's not close enough, but I think when he is close enough, he might make that decision. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's very Landeskog-esque, I would say. Um other injuries you just brought up, Josh Manson. Let's start with there. What are the updates? Jared straight up said he expects him to play in March. You know, late March is what he said. So by my math, that means he'll probably return around like April 6 or 7 because they're always off by a week. Um, but the regular season ends April 14. So that means to me that Josh Manson will be back before the playoffs. And dude, like how many times do we have to say this year how important that guy is to the team? It's such a different team when he's not there. It's such a different team. And we talk, we've talked about this on every single podcast since before you took your three-week hiatus. Josh Manson, Bowen Byram, Sam Gerard, Devon Taves, Kale McCarr, the Avalanche's five defensive horses have not all played in the same game since November 4th in Finland which is why I keep saying for the playoffs, it's not about ramping it up. It's just about getting healthy because even without Gabe Landeskog, even if you got to do what the Tampa Bay Lightning did in 2020, where their captain played one shift, scored one goal and was not to be seen other than that play, the Avalanche can win a cup without Gabe Landeskog. It'll be a hell of a lot harder. They can win a cup without Gabe Landeskog, but they would need their five horses to be healthy because Sam Gerrard's a better player than he was a year ago. Josh Manson, when he's playing, looks better than he did a year ago. Bowen Byram has improved exponentially. Kill McCarr is still McCarr. Devontae's is still Devontae's. If you have those five horses, remember what I said in the offseason when I asked Eric Johnson, are you guys a more defensive-minded team? He said, no, we're still the offensive weapon. EJ, you're a more defensive-minded team, especially <laughs> without Gabe Landeskog. Y'all are a more defensive-minded team. And you have a goalie who, unlike Darcy, well, Darcy Kemper had great numbers in the regular season. I'm not going to take that away from him. But unlike Darcy Kemper, looks like he might have an ex- an excellent playoffs and might be the guy needing to steal some games, which again, you can't blame Kemper because he had his eye poked out the third game of the playoffs. 
But with Georgi in goal and with those five horses, you can do it. So Josh Manson is that important. And it looks like he's going to play before the end of the regular season. Ten games left in the month of March, four of which at home, 16 days. So we'll see if Josh Manson hops in in one of these next 10 games. But that's a lot. That's a lot of games still this yeah. month. So a lot of opportunity for Josh Manson to get in in March. Um, let's see. Lars Eller, I wanted to get to. Now we've seen him play six games in an avalanche sweater. After six games now, how do you like his fit? Have you seen him maybe getting a little bit more comfortable within this lineup? Yeah, he's 100% getting a little bit more comfortable. Um, it's going to take him a little bit of time. Like last year, Arturi Lekin in the regular season didn't even look that effective. You kind of saw glimpses of it, and Jared made the mini Val comment. But he didn't look as comfy as he does he did? now. <laughs> that is my favorite comment. Um, he didn't. He didn't look as comfy as he did in the playoffs. Hell, Josh Manson in the playoff in the regular season last year was like a turnover machine, very high and low. Like he wasn't really that good. And then the playoffs came around. And you're like, oh, that's why they got this guy. So to go back to Lekkinen, he was uh, six goals, three assists, nine points in 16 games. But in the beginning of those of that stretch, he wasn't really producing, and he started producing later on in the regular season. So. Basically, what I'm trying to get at is give Lars Eller some time. And the one thing that irks me about kind of the narrative around Eller right now is that he sucks. This is what happens when you don't go out and trade for a big name at the deadline, blah, blah, blah. But the funny thing is, had the Avalanche trader for, I don't know, Ryan O'Reilly, and he had a slow six games in his first, you know, not that it was his first stint, but in his first stint with the Avalanche. Everybody would have been like, it's okay, it's okay, he'll figure it out before the playoffs. But because it's the player they didn't want, it's not as big a name, and nobody wants to, you know, give Lars Eller any bit of you know hope or respect or confidence. Where I'm gonna say this again, Lars Eller is one of the players that I have watched over and over again in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He is a gamer. What you saw from veterans like Darren Helm and Andrew Cagliano last year, where they turned it on. Lars Eller can do that and he probably will. And y'all are going to fall in love with him pretty fucking quick. So give him a chance. He's getting more comfortable. He looked pretty good against the uh, Arizona coyotes. And this is by the way, why despite the fact that he hasn't produced in six games and he's taking a little bit of time to get his feet wet, he's still playing with Logan O'Connor and Andrew Co and, uh, and Andrew Cogliano and not with Nieto and Malgin or whatever. He's not being demoted, and I use air quotes with that, to the fourth line and being replaced by Newhook because Jared Bednar is not worried. He's going to give him all the time he needs to get ready, and when he is ready, boy, if Darren Helm gets healthy too and you have a all-veteran line of Eller, Cogliano, and Helm, oof, that would be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I, th I think you're right, and you know everybody kind of turns it up for playoffs, especially a, a guy on a new team that sees that he has an opportunity. I think, I think you're spot on. He's going to show us and he's going to be a different Lars Eller come playoff time. And just right now he's about um, assimilating into his current team. Right. Yeah. Um, standings watch. I wanted to look just real quick at the standings and let's just throw some prediction. I, I know you said earlier in the show, I'll, so much can happen. The avalanche could fall anywhere from eighth in the, in the West final wild card spot to number one in the central, but let's look realistically. Let's look at points. Let's look at, what teams actually have ahead of them. Do you think the Avalanche ultimately fall in that third place central spot? I guess that's what I'm saying. I think the Avalanche lock up that third place spot eventually in the central. That's where they end up heading into the playoffs, probably going against Minnesota in the first round. Where do you see them landing in when it's all said and done? 
I could see that. The The one prediction that I will make is they'll be in that 2-3 matchup. I don't know if they'll be third because I think they have what it takes to catch one of these teams, but you need a lot of balls to fall in your favor. <laughs> I don't know why I said balls, but you need a lot of things to fall in your favor to catch two teams with this many games left in the regular season. I don't know why that came to mind. Um, you need a lot to happen for yourself to catch two teams in the standings at this point of the season. So I think they'll catch one if they get hot. I don't know about the other. Basically, what I'm saying is they might get home ice advantage as a second seed. They might end in the third seed. It might be Minnesota. It might be Dallas because those guys are only two points apart right now. But I think they will be in that 2-3 matchup. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Um, and then let's just look ahead at the uh, the week that the Avalanche have in front of them, right? A little, nice little Canadian trip finishing up with Detroit, like you said. Um, you're going to be present at Toronto. Are you going to be Ottawa-Detroit as well? Just Detroit. The Ottawa game's a back-to-back, so getting from Toronto to Ottawa to get there in time for puck drop and then turn around and go to Detroit just makes no sense. So You'll be running do... into the building. B- basically, yeah. So we're going to do Toronto, Detroit. Um, the plan was to go to Montreal, but if I did that, then I'd be on the road right now and flying to Montreal. That just seems like a lot in the regular season. So we're doing Toronto, Detroit. So a nice little road trip here, I guess, as as the season kind of winds down, heading back to Canada uh, expectations for it four games set here i think i think you're gonna win three of these games and <laughs> the one you lose coincidentally i i'm gonna predict it's gonna be ottawa not toronto granted and this is a podcast for you and me to have later on in the week maybe before or after they play the toronto maple leafs but that team's good <laughs> like there's no sugarcoating in my mind that I have a prediction that I will say today on March 12th on this podcast and hopefully it doesn't come back and bite me in the ass. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightnings in five games. They're that good. They look so good, and that game is going to be so much fun. If the Avalanche could find a way to wake up and have a playoff atmosphere, playoff mindset type of game in Toronto on Wednesday and beat that team, that'll tell you all you need to know about the first 20 minutes of this podcast where we sit there and said, can they do it? So I do think they can win that game, and they will win that game, especially given what happened last time they were in Toronto. Jed Alexander and getting lit up and, and Jonas Johansson playing and Kemper missing the game and all that. And then obviously what happened on New Year's Eve when Toronto came to New York barn and embarrassed you. So I think the Avs win that game. I think they beat Detroit. I think they beat Montreal. I think Ottawa, because of the back-to-back and because Ottawa has been on a little bit of a tear, is the one you end up losing. I see that back-to-back, and I think about what the Avalanche went through a few weeks ago and not having Pavel Francouz ready, right? What yeah. do you kind of do there, and how do you approach that? Because, like we said, you know, th- these are kind of important wins. You want to win them all, despite the fact that it might be hard to, to get up for them all mentally. I don't even know what goal you're going to take on this road trip because there's been so many games in this last week and a half, two, three weeks, whatever the hell, however the hell long it's been since Frankie's been hurt, where... I don't even know who the backup goalie is until I get the lineup in the press box. Could it be Annan? Could it be Johansson? Could it be Kincaid? It's literally a different guy every single time. So feels up to me. I think you go Kincaid. Yeah, I think you're gonna take Kincaid, but also, <sighs> fuck man, like <laughs> he's I don't know, I don't know. I kind of feel like Annan is the guy, even though he, you know, he showed that he's not NHL ready in the game that he started against the Devils, but also that was the Devils. It's you know the Ottawa Senators ain't the Devils, so who knows? But yeah, it's going to be tough with this one goal you think they got going on. Indeed, Devils just shut out the Carolina Hurricanes tonight, 3 nothing. So you're right, the Devils are for real. Um, 
that's all we got for today's episode. Anything you want to throw out there before we close for the day? Yeah, so Jared Bednar and Kel McCarr now have both made comments about my very floral shirt. So I know that's why you wear it. You you love that shirt. I, lo- I love the shirt. It's not because I wait for people to comment on the shirt. It's because <laughs> I love the shirt. So I'm really curious who's going to be next on the list because first it was Jared who called it a sharp shirt. Then it was Kale who chirped the living daylights out of it yesterday. And when I turned around and said, uh, and, and said, Hey, this is Jared's favorite button down. You're talking about, he goes, Oh, is that what he told you? I bet you he wasn't, he wasn't serious or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Kale's really coming at me. <laughs> um, so I wonder who's next for, for that shirt. We'll bring down in the playoffs. Maybe we'll get something else, but no, maybe that's um, your thing. Like, like, like Don Cherry, right? You're just the guy that wears the flower shirts. Yeah, but it's 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 the one. Like I wear a lot of floral shirts, but it's the one same shirt, the one that Jared commented on last March or April or whatever it was is the same one Kill commented on yesterday. I wear a lot of floral shirts. I love I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I have two levels when it comes to things that I wear, and people have even t- tweeted me about it. It's either a boring blank shirt or it's a floral shirt. There's no in between. Solid color or floral. All right, right on. I guess that's a, a good place to stop. Um, when in doubt, wear floral, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us in this podcast. If you made it this far, bless your pretty little heart. Eric, you have one more thing to say? No, I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Oh, you I'm leaned excited. up to the mic. Like, I'm excited for the road trip and excited to have you back at Ball Arena in eight days. Yeah, indeed. I'm excited as well. So thanks for hanging out with us. Let's make hockey for everyone. 